you know, last year, everybody's budgets got cut. We delivered a million dollars more pipeline last year than we did the year before on a 25% less budget because we'd invested in this machine to really understand customer problems, customers, the jobs that they need to do on a daily basis. Welcome to the Revenue Rebels podcast brought to you by Warmly. On this show, we cut straight through the fluff and dive deep into the specific tactics that B2B revenue leaders across sales and marketing are using to find success in today's environment. I'm your host, Alan Zhao. All right, guys, really excited about this episode. Today we have on here Paul Ross, who's the Chief Marketing Officer at Affinity, the Relationship Intelligence CRM that has grown rapidly over the years, finding its niche, serving the VC and PE community, and then expanding into other verticals from there. Paul has held VP of marketing positions for over a decade now at companies large and small. And today we'll be talking about the problem that many of us are facing, which is that traditional channels just aren't working as well right now. Here's the story of how Affinity went from $300,000 to $15,000 a month in LinkedIn spend by building a content machine that has driven pipeline even higher. Paul, welcome. Thanks for having me, Al. Let's dive into a quick background about your story and we'll, we'll get into the topics. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I, as you said, I'm CMO at Affinity. I, I've been on a kind of a journey in tech marketing for, for quite a while now. But actually, this is my 25th year in marketing, which is kind of traumatic because some of my customers and some of my team weren't born when I started doing this. But um, I'm, uh, I've kind of come from a, a product marketing background. Um, so I've always been really focused on getting the right message, getting the right channel, working deeply with sales. Um, and that's kind of led me through this journey through running you know, product marketing teams at companies like Alteryx. Uh, spent a time, some time at Microsoft being a, a cog in a very big machine and then uh, kind of building out uh, my kind of demand gen and and content shops in the meantime. So it's been a, a really interesting period. And the great thing, even though I've been doing this 25 years, is I still get to learn a lot. And some of those things we'll be talking about today. No, I feel like the learning never stops, especially in marketing, because the market is changing. Strategies have a short shelf life. And so we always need to stay attuned to what's going on in the market. Let's dive into this topic around how you guys did it. I mean, how did you guys go from 300,000 in LinkedIn spend a month to 15,000 and actually accelerating and increasing pipeline over time? Well, I, th I think this is really interesting because I, this is a little bit of an older story, but the key to this to me is over the last, as you said, last 12 months or so, it's been really hard for, for marketing to maintain its, um, you know, the pipeline that we're creating, Primarily because of the fact that some of those channels that we've been relying upon for years haven't been delivering in the same way. Like website traffic's way down, digital advertising return is all over the place in terms of, of, of performance. I know there's plenty of people who do what do well there, but I think uh, like our sales colleagues, we you know the last eighteen months have been a bit of a shock to our, our system. But for us, what we were able to do is we were able to kind of like absorb that shock. Um, that we, we felt everyone felt over the last 18 months because we built up this content machine is primarily focused on what are the problems our customers face. And I think that there's a, an issue in marketing overall, which is that we became really reliant upon um, scaled performance marketing um, and kind of left behind the message, the story, how customers actually need to solve their problems. When I, when I got to Affinity, just to, to get to the story specifically, we were spending about $300,000 a month on LinkedIn advertising. Crazy. Um, and I think I think that's you know like an extreme number, but it reflects a lot of what people have had to deal with. It's like how do you scale? How do you keep up with what was happening in in the tech market and LinkedIn, ad, AdWords, all of those things were everybody's shortest path to, to scale and everybody's shortest path to understand what worked and what didn't work. 
Um, and so it didn't surprise me necessarily that was the case, but a bit extreme in terms of the dollar amount. But once we'd finally kind of connected top of funnel to bottom of funnel and understood what was actually driving things, um, and I kind of worked my way through the internal, like, well, but it's brand and halo, and you know, like we get all of this things from it. The reality was, was that we were spending three hundred thousand dollars on something that wasn't delivered, like fairly fairly straightforward. And so what we did is we we actually cut it down in an experiment. I cut it down on a two week period down to a really really low amount. My um my the guy who's currently uh, my director of demand gen Faison was so up for for making changes and experimenting. And what was interesting to us was our pipeline stayed steady by questioning the assumptions of what we were doing. We were able to really make a difference in terms of. The good news is that what we did is we took that money and we started to invest in other areas. So we added a deeper content understanding. And, and my CRO, Dustin, has this phenomenal way of thinking about the world, which is, you know, early in your funnel, early in your time talking to a customer, whether they're, you know, in the awareness stage, consideration, whatever, you're, you're really at that point, you're selling the problem that they need to solve. And by us switching to this much more how do we solve your problem and how do we have a narrative around that over time? That's how we got to, to, to kind of build up our pipeline. And, and it was, it was, it was a really good job that we did because, you know, last year, everybody's budgets got cut, cut. We delivered a million dollars more pipeline last year than we did the year before on a 25% less budget because we'd invested in this machine to really understand customer problems, customers, the jobs that they need to do on a daily basis and tying our value to that over time. So it's a really interesting learning in terms of um, you know not taking what's assumed to be working and assumed to be effort and and investing in really just how do you help solve a customer's problem. Fact that you took away uh, all that LinkedIn spent and then pipeline remained the same kind of tells you the actual contribution of some of these paid channels. I know absolutely, absolutely, and and again, it, like it, we're we're a vertical SaaS vendor, so we have a very specific market. As you said, we sell into venture capital and private equity and a couple of other areas like um, uh, incubators and and, and um, other kind of private capital investing. So it's, a, it's an interesting audience um, compared with many people. But for us, really just understanding what was driving our deals was much, much more important. Like the very cliched, but I think one of the most accurate and useful things is the taking stuff on your form and saying, how did you hear about us? Like that was the, yes. the, the killer thing for, for a lot of people in the last year or so was stopping relying upon attribution. Um, I, I have a very strong set of opinions around attribution, uh, which kills my uh, marketing ops person, but um, the, the, the decision to, to think about attribution differently and not in the very technical dollar attribution to a specific ad or those sorts of things just freed us up to really invest in the way that we did. Do you have a quick summary on your take on attribution? I think that's something that people would really, or is this going to be a longer, you know? No, no, no. Very, very, very yeah. Really, really, um, I, I have a mug. I don't know if you've seen this, uh, which is, it says, marking attribution, we totally made it up. Um, and I don't think that's fully fair, um, but I think trying to get into causal mo models of, you know, attributing $200,000 of the pipeline to one thing based on a model versus where did it actually come from? Um, is, is really really big. So I think you know multi-touch attribution, sophisticated attribution models. I think in most organizations they're not actually that useful. I think if you are truly performance marketing and your digital is driving things at an incredible rate, I think those are it's really important to understand that customer journey. For us, not so much because this is all about how do we help those customers solve their problems and see that. And so they might have fifteen touches. That's I don't care which one was worth thirty percent. 
it's about like us building the machine and building that kind of base of content that drives people there. It's telling stories. That's really what it comes out. What's yeah. the key metric that you're looking at then? Uh, I, to be honest, we look at um, pipeline is the only thing that we really think about. And the way that we attribute that is that we have uh, kind of two sources that are marketing relevant. One is um, hand raisers. Um, big chunk of our business comes through people filling out a request a demo, request a trial type form because we've driven them through all of this other content and all these other stories to our website to engage with us directly. Um, and the other one is we have our MQA, so market qualified account, where we're looking at people who are in market, have a level of intent, have had some level of engagement with us, uh, haven't you know raised their hand. And we use that really as our outbound model from a sales perspective of, of uh, kind of warm outbound is, is, is where we drive the thing. So I'm, I'm paid on, on paid on pipeline, qualified pipeline. And so therefore, that's why I'm measuring down from rather than up to. I'm sure the most qualified pipeline is the one that raises their hand and is yeah, qualified. Exactly. That's the best yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> easily, easily. Um, can we go back to how you exactly how you did that? So you cut paid budget mm -hmm. and then pipeline didn't move. And then mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit more about how you orchestrated the pieces, the people, the processes to get to the new content engine. Yeah. So so I think um the, the our starting point was again, I'm this is not particularly innovative, but it was about really understanding our customers and our ICP and who was really buying. Um, there was a lot of assumptions in our organizations around who was really driving um, deals and where they were coming from. And so doing putting an effort into, okay, let's really under, understand our ICP. And um, again, something that I, I credit my, my CRO, Dustin Denno, with, um, of really understanding the jobs to be done. And so really tying what our product was doing to what the jobs were that our ICP once we clarified it and we were clear on who the buyers were and who the influencers were, tying that into into there. So that was the kind of like um, starting point of like let's let's do it. And then having building out a content team who were and a product marketing team who knew our audience in depth. Can we talk about how you figure that out specifically? The jobs to be done, the problems that like how did you hone in on the messaging? Well, so first is it goes back to how deep we are with our customers. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, in my career, I've, I've done my leadership career. I've done something that has at times been really painful, but I've always invested in customer marketing early. Um, so having somebody who is really dedicated to talking to customers alongside product marketing, sourcing customers who want to be involved in what we do, um, people who have great stories to tell. Take really starting there. So how do we go and talk to those customers in depth, spending a lot of time uh, with them? Uh, that plus, you know, doing some really uh, rigorous research over time. Like last year or so, we've been using the crap out of AI to go research the jobs to be done within VC firms and how that's changing. Okay, how, how did you do that exactly? Using oh, AI? Yeah, yeah, a lot of chat GPT, a lot of chat GPT, yep. like really, really tying in and, and building that over time. Um, you know, that's probably the biggest uh, use of, of AI that I think we've had in the marketing and sales teams was, was building it out. So then marrying that with product marketing, like I, 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 my product marketing team is about talking to customers, not talking to it in, internally. And so getting them really deep on it and having those, be, those guys be experts on that is, is, is really what we're doing. So all three of those combined really gets that it's like, okay, what jobs to be done? So as you know, like deal sourcing is such a huge deal in our space. Um, I've been running campaigns on deal sourcing, not on CRM, sourcing deals and managing deals through pipeline for the last 24 months. 
highest return in campaigns consistently because that's what our audience cares most about. The VC audience, the investor audience cares about deal flow. How many great deals do I have in my pipeline that I'm potentially going to be able to invest in that will give me a return down the line? And so deal sourcing is number one. And then we talk about, um, you know, portfolio management. How do you use your CRM to um, manage and understand what's happening within your portfolio? How do you then go raise funds as a VC from LPs? Because they're, all of this is driven around the same set of relationship information that's embedded in our platform, as well as the transactional um, information in terms of the relationship. When was the last time you talked to somebody? When did you have a meeting with them? Who has the best relationship? So all of those things were tying together into those jobs to be done and producing content and you know hosting roundtables to help our audience share their experiences. That's really where we, 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 we made it successful over that period. So now that you have the messaging, now you have the problems and you understand your customers better, can you tell me, imagine I'm Ray, I'm, I'm the CEO of Vinny for a second here. Right. How do you pitch this? What's the budget allocation and how do we make this all happen? What's the timeline? Well, it's, 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 a, it's a really interesting position to be in terms of credibility when you've been able to cut a spend virtually to zero and still maintain your pipeline. So you're, right. you, you, you bring in some credibility with actually those things. Um, and again, I credit my, my um, uh, director of demand, Jen Faison, for pulling together a lot of that kind of analysis perspective. But really what we did is, is we, 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 we talked to him about it. The core of our company is about relationships. And so tying our brand to that and tying our marketing model to that was really an easier pitch than, than I thought it might be um, because we're able to talk about, so we know this customer, we know how much they're looking for insights. We're looking for, you know, we built a lot of ICP stuff. And then we're, we're saying, if we get these people in a room together, they're going to get um, high ROI and we're going to get high ROI. So we do some test activities. We do some, uh, we did our first customer conference um, which was wildly expensive, but wildly uh, successful in terms of setting us up for the future. Um, so it was really a series of like, let's show how this model can actually deliver value. Um, and then taking that and turning that into specific investments. So, okay, we want to build a along this line of um, deal sourcing and portfolio management. So we need some content for that. So then doing that. So it, it, was, it was a very logical approach. And, and you know, Ray, he's, he's a very logical guy. Um, he, he and Shuby, who are co-CEOs, both very logical guys, um, Stanford grads with, uh, or Stanford attendees, um, with, uh, dropped out. yeah, yeah. One of them dropped out because that's how you, you have to have at least one of them drop out to make a company. Um, but, um, you, you really just having that model of like building trust over time and then saying, here's where I'm going to go invest. And obviously that's changed, you know, like everybody's budgets change over the last 24 months, um, we made adjustments, but the core is really in place where I have built out the content machine. I've got the product marketing, and then I have the demand gen guys building the channels and the using that content. The other key thing, I think the other investment I made on top of customer was actually bringing some of the services in-house that traditionally been external in companies. So I have a designer on my team, um, which not many CMOs have at this stage. I have a, a team of, of designers so that we can take and own the design and the quality of what we're doing because again we know our, our icp we know how you know th these are investors these are people who spend money these are people who have a certain level of expectation of of experience and so we're maintaining that and delivering on that so yeah it was it was an interesting set of conversations but definitely helped with um you know maintaining our pipeline and growing it already and then coming back in with like and this is how we're going to 
you know, kind of do that. And, you know, last year it was like, and here's how we're going to weather 2023. Um, made it a much easier conversation. I always equate building brand and presence and getting the story down right. It's like building mm -hmm. uh, the Taj Mahal, the Burj Khalifa, you know, the Sagrada Familia. Sometimes it never finishes, but you start to build from the basement <laughs> and you start to see the palette. You see it in your mind, the vision over time. And yeah. it takes time to explain. I think I think it's, that's really true. And I think for, from a brand, um, it's like never, it's never stopped. And like you, I, I have this thing about category management, category creation as well. Like the way that you create a category is you sell stuff. And then you build that story about how these customers are using it. And then that starts to build what you would call a category. You don't go see, I don't think setting up to create a category makes a lot of sense. You do that through selling stuff and then telling the customer story. Um, and that, that never finishes. That's never done. Can we talk a little bit more about the operational content creation piece? Like how many mm -hmm. pieces of content, what were the distribution channels, maybe from top to bottom, how yeah. did you even conceive of these ideas and make it synthesize and all make sense for your customers? Yeah, I think it, it, going back to the understanding of the ICP and the jobs to be done is the starting point for all of this. Um, obviously, we're paying attention to what's happening in the market. We do regular surveys in, of our own. We just did one for about 300 investors. Um, wow. You know, what's your what's your top top thing you're focused on this year? Um, and it's deal sourcing again. Um, like last year, it was deal sourcing and portfolio management because everyone was freaking out about what was going on in their portfolios. This year... It's clearly about fundraising. <laughs> well, I think I think they're going. They're, they're, the other thing that they said that they were back with was actually their that last year. Um, the data showed they were pessimistic about twenty twenty three. Oh, good. This year said they were optimistic about twenty twenty four. So that was the starting point of, of something that was interesting in terms of that. But what the reality is, the reason it was fundraising wasn't for for us as startups. It wasn't fundraising for startups. It was fundraising for VCs because it's been hard to do that um and so it, it it's interesting because so if you think about jobs to be done in a vc you've got finding companies investing in them making them successful and raising more funds and that last one eclipsed the middle one in 20 started in 24. so we're we're focused on those types of trends like where are we where are we seeing these kind of trends pop up is, is really what we're, we're doing but they're tied to those jobs to be done so we're not like diverting off onto random acts of marketing we're doing like, okay, this is something that's part of our jobs to be done, fits within what our sellers are selling to, fits within what our product team are developing to. And then we're just driving that as a, as a kind of content space. So it just all kind of ties together with that background. That's, that's really what we're talking about. And then it, to be honest with you, we're always experimenting with the right type of, type of content. You know, you mentioned like pieces and, and all those things. Um, again, one of the great things about having a design team in-house in, in who also have web skills is that we are trying out new ways of delivering content that's not for you know a, a PDF kind of form, um, which is obviously everybody's traditional kind of still everybody's traditional model. So we have some new form factors that we're we're trying out, you know, digital online white papers that are not boring to read for a starting point um, and look great and are engaging. Going back to our the 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 persona that we're talking about, but we're we're kind of trying a lot of different things. Um, it's interesting. We find that tying a report alongside a guide plus a lot of um, customer content with a dinner works for us. So we're really trying to make this all like coordinated effort that isn't just one channel or another that we're, we're doing. And I really liked your point about following trends. And we've seen this at Warmly ourselves, like we'll write content pieces on our category. 
But all those, all, all that story has already been said by somebody else. Yeah, yeah. You'll see like an echo chamber. But when there's a new trend that pops up, everyone wants to know what to do next. Yeah. And if you can establish yourself as the first person to provide actually insightful analysis on this trend, then you can bring yourself up as an authority figure in the space. Hard. It's so hard to do because you're, you're right. Your natural inclination is to build those um, category and brand pieces. Uh, like, let me explain why we're great, basically, which is fine. It, like, that stuff's useful. Um, but yeah, like when we're we're trying to to make sure that everything that we say is actually informative rather than just shouting at people, which I think a lot of us tend to do, buy our yeah. stuff because it's great type content. But that's unfair. But like you, you get what I mean in terms of like trying every every single piece being informative and credible makes a huge difference. A lot of marketers are starting to realize that if you establish yourselves as the authority figure. And over time, once you, that person becomes in market, they're not going to be thinking about XYZ tools. They're going to be thinking about your brand. It'll be branded-based keyword search. They'll search for affinity because they know that affinity, relationship intelligence, they talk about they're the best, they're number one. I've never used them yeah. before. And then on top of that, you layer in customer testimonials. I agree. And, and, that, and to your point earlier, like we're, we're, we're lucky that we've been around four or five years now. We've built a brand. We have rapidly excited customers. I have to, I've never come across a group of customers, actually, who are so um, keen. We have our challenges like everybody, but it's, 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 it's a really interesting perspective. But it, you, don't, you don't get to skip to there straight away. You have to put the hard work in to, to get to that stage. And I think it's actually harder now uh, that some of these digital channels are not working as well, partly because there are tens of thousands of SaaS products all on the same channels, all looking to talk about the same things in, in a lot of cases. So how do you break through that? And I think that's that's a challenge. We, we see that on our, our new business where we're selling Affinity for Salesforce into the enterprise Salesforce audience where we're taking a lot of that relationship battalion. So there's a lot of CRMs and there's a lot of um, people on the app exchange. So how do you kind of cut through that? And again, I think it's about finding those problems that you actually solve for um, and talking to how how those customers can get there. Like we had our... We launched Affinity for Salesforce in April of last year. Our biggest lead flow week and opportunity creation week came from one blog on one um, community um, uh, called Salesforce Ben about solving a specific problems faced by enterprise SaaS, uh, uh, Salesforce users just coming up in 2024. So it's, it's, I think it's harder than ever to kind of break through if you're early in your kind of journey to build your brand. Um, but again, it, for me, it comes back to like, how do you solve those uh, key customer problems? How do you research the the content for the blog articles? I mean, there's a lot of content marketing mm -hmm. that's optimized for SEO, but like to produce yeah. really high quality content, it takes time. So do you have a strategy behind that? So we do, we do use a mix of um, kind of SEO driven models for that. I've, we've, um, there's a guy, John Henry, who we've used his um, agency a number of times, Grove Plays, um, for, for, for the kind of like, if you think about moving into a new area, like Affinity for Salesforce, where we're talking to a new audience that doesn't know us. So building that kind of baseline, um, you know, keyword-driven, uh, SEO-driven kind of things, but fighting to find the places where you can have the most relevance. Um, I find a lot of SEO-driven strategies for blog content and other, one, other areas are fighting for the volume that you're never going to be able to break through. Um, and so we, we, we tend to focus in again on like where we can be credible and have, have um, solving. So we do do some SEO around that. The other thing that we're doing is we are, again, trying to spend as much time as possible with early prospects for this new product. Um, 
there's a big aircraft manufacturer that we're working with and understanding, okay, so, you know, it's a very different business from venture capital, as you can imagine, selling airplanes to people. Um, it's, it's, it's a private aircraft manufacturer. So there's some of the same people who are involved, but um, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a, of a different model. So we're just spending a lot of time with those, those people un, uh, analyzing the, the gong calls, um, or we use wingman, excuse me, from Claret, um, and getting an understanding of like what's really happening and what's driving these customers. And then using that to drive our content. Um, that was, you know, that was perfect example of, uh, we talked to a couple of, um, what I would call them like strategic revenue operations or strategic operations people at these large, um, you know, 50,000 person companies um, about what they were facing with their Salesforce deployment this year. And then just tying that into to what we're doing from a blog perspective. We're still doing some things that you could kind of consider as, as promotional, but we're trying again to, to learn from those prospects and those customers as quickly as we can. And that also helps when you, when we find somebody like uh, a really solid community, like Salesforce Ben, the guy, his name is actually Ben, who runs the company. Um, so Salesforce Ben, you get, um, you get kind of a shortcut to that. So going where those communities are really, really helps us. And we do that on the VC side as well. We, we're like on part of VC platform. Uh, we have our own community and using that to kind of drive drive that blog content strategy has been been really useful for us. We haven't always got it right. You know, you kind of, you got to be careful about which data points you take, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really helpful. When you follow the trends and you read these articles and you have all this hearsay, then that's what's hot. That's the trend. But what the truth is, it's actually with your customers. What's Correct. working as a practitioner. Yeah. And so when you can follow the customers, the community and have a contrarian opinion to mm -hmm. the noise, that's when you have yeah. really insightful articles come out because uh, if you're right about it, then everyone's going to see like, oh, these guys, they're, they're the true authority figures because uh, all that stuff, that's all noise. We talk about how you use customers to get more customers. There's this element of FOMO involved. So we'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I, I think um, uh, our audience has probably, the, the, of my career, this has the, um, you know, if you were saying in a slightly derogatory way, it's FOMO. But people in our audience really want to know what other people are doing in case they're missing out. Because if you think about what, what, why is that? Like, if you miss out on investing in um, Facebook back in the day because you just didn't have an engagement with them, you didn't have an, you, you got rebuffed because you didn't have an introduction to the CEO or whatever that is, that's material. Like, that's, that's a material thing. And that's a kind of a silly example, but it's, if you play that out over, you know, deal flow of a hundred plus deals a year that are coming into an investor's pipeline, that really matters. And so FOMO is, 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 is a big deal in our industry. But what we found is, is that um, our customers are actually really excited about sharing what they're doing, not necessarily their secret sauce, like what's our specific investing profile? How do we screen in, screen out? But how do we build the infrastructure and how do we build our uh, operational approach to be successful with deal flow and deal management. Um, and so what we've done is we've spent a lot of time bringing customers and prospects together. Um, like every, every um, month we run a, we're running tech stack uh, roundtables. excuse me, where people are literally just talking about how they put together their tech stack to support their firm. We have, so that's the kind of operational people. We then have um, round tables around specific jobs to be done. You know, we talked about the importance of jobs to be done. Like, so who's, you know, who's doing, who's having some really interesting experiences in our customer base around uh, raising funds right now. Again, they're not going to share their fund list that they're targeting. It's not at that level, but it's like, here's how we're approaching it. Here's how we're doing it. 
And so bringing the prospects and customers together in that forum has been incredibly effective for us. And we'll do some like, um, uh, you know, like MC of it and we'll curate some of the conversation. But we found that just letting that happen and letting that get engagement has is, is been incredibly valuable. Um, so it allows our customers and our prospects to join a community without joining a community, as it were. Um, but then also doing things like, you know, it's the classic, like take that and do a dinner in San Francisco. And we just had one up in the city where we had, you know, 30, 40 people in a room, half of which were prospects, half of which were customers. And I know that the people who were there got value out of it because of the conversations that were taking place. Um, but I also know what impact that's going to have on my pipeline. Um, you know, we talk about ABM and, and, and those things, but this is, that's really about taking those specific uh, accounts that are in the pipeline or early stage or trying to work out whether they're, they're interested in putting a, a new CRM in place or whatever it is and getting those people together just has incredible return for us. What's, but it's, it's, what's interesting about it is it's not innovative. It's, it's, it's what goes back to telling that story and having those people tell the story on your behalf. That's what's exciting about it. Can we talk a bit about how you harness these customers? Like, how do you manage all these relationships, bring them to this event? Do you incentivize them in some way? Do they get anything um, out of it besides? Really nice dinner. Um, besides a really nice dinner. Really dinner. Um, so my, I have a philosophy that I never pay for references. Um, and the reason I never pay for references, and I know it's a very crude way of putting it, but I don't want to buy somebody from somebody who's been kind of in some way paid through discount or, or whatever else. Um, you know, personal, I, you know, I see a lot of requests during my time here. I've had a lot of requests for like referral programs. And what they really mean is like, I want to make sure that if I'm sending stuff to you, I'm getting paid in some way. So I never do that. Never, I think because it, I think it degrades the value of the, of the references. But what we do is what we invested early in having a customer marketing function which would build the relationships um, to allow us to bring those people together and identify who the right people were. Um, you know, we do, I don't know, maybe three or four webinars, no, two or three webinars a quarter plus, um, you know, these other events, maybe another three or four. And every single one of those, almost always the person, the customers that we have there are sourced by my customer marketing team. Like we have an incredible CS team. Um, when we look at our win-loss data um, enclosed, we can tell that our CS team is a huge reason why customers buy and stay with us. And so, th but they don't have time to curate that kind of list. And so, having a customer marketing person do that for us and maintain those relationships, we have a customer advisory board. Same thing as like building up that, those relationships and doing it that way. So, so it's really just been about putting in the effort to to have those relationships that would allow us to bring. Hey, somebody wants to talk about fundraising right now. Let's let's bring them in and, and, and be part of the dinner. Paul, thank you so much for this. Learned a ton about how you created the content engine and the intricacies and details about how you executed. I think our audience is going to get a lot out of this episode. How can people find more about you? Uh, I, I'm not on social media, but uh, check me out on LinkedIn. Paul Ross at uh, Affinity on LinkedIn. Great. Thank you so much. Really All right, appreciate thanks, the time. Bye.